Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Amanda Elise Love, and I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. And today's guest is, how do you say your name? Shiraz. Shiraz. I didn't want to mess it up. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I always ask this question. um, How, what is your backstory? I love hearing people's backstory. My backstory. My backstory started off actually in university. So I was studying molecular genetics. I was in the best shape of my life. Everything was going great. The world was my oyster, but I didn't get any pearls. I got arthritis. And I don't mean, so my body started to hurt arthritis. I mean, intense pain in every single joint in my body arthritis. There were nights I sipped my dinner through a straw because my jaw was so swollen and sore. Wow. Yeah, that kind of, so days or weeks in bed and that became my life for a while. I tried medication, tried supplements, tried diet, tried things like acupuncture and everything worked for a little while and then just stopped working altogether. I got used to the pain. Any arthritic knows that eventually you build this pain tolerance so you can start doing things, but now it requires anywhere between two and 10 times as much effort to do the same thing as a normal person. But that, because I built that tolerance, I could go back and I could start doing work. I did a different course. I went into software development, continued my life, but I was always in this pain and my body was deteriorating. And then after about 20 years of going through this, I was having a discussion with my dad and I said, what haven't we tried? And he said, there's a program in India called combined therapy, and they've had success with multiple illnesses. And that really piqued my interest because it's usually go here for arthritis, here for cancer, here for diabetes. And he's like, no, no, they they fix everything. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't get taught that. Yeah. So I, I got on a plane with head over to India and I started working with this guy. And because it's India, I'm thinking this guy is going to do some sort of energy work. It's like, okay, we're just going to heal you. And it's all going to be gone. Mm -hmm. But he just sat down and talked to me for two weeks. And it was kind of like a psychiatrist only he wasn't trying to solve anything. He was just gathering information more and more, just delving into what happened in my life. And at the end of the two weeks, he goes, Shiraz, here's the problem. You believe you're responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, no, I don't. And he goes, I I know you don't consciously think that, but from everything you've told me, you created a belief starting when you were eight years old that you need to be responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, okay, I know I'm a responsible guy, but I don't think I'm responsible for any, everyone. And even so, what the hell does that have to do with arthritis? Yeah. And he said, well, you don't want to be responsible for everyone. That's too much work. And I went, yeah. And if you're lying in bed in pain, you don't have to be responsible for anyone and you don't have to feel guilty about it. And no one can judge you for it. No one can say you better come up and take care of me. It's the solution to a problem you don't even realize you have. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's messed up. <laughs> like, why, why would I do that to myself? Yeah. And he said, but Shiraz, most illnesses are solutions to problems people don't realize they have. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I said, well, what you, if what you're saying is true, then all I have to do is say, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. And the arthritis should go away. He said, if you you can't just say it, if you actually have to mean it deep down, you're not responsible for anyone but you, and then you don't need the arthritis. So I said, okay, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone except for me. I woke up the next morning, 
no pain, no inflammation, more mobility, and I could even breathe better. Wow. And I'm freaking out. <laughs> like after 20 years. Yeah. Like just now the damage was still done. And right. I'm still working on repairing the damage, but I'm getting more mobility and strength each year as I go, because that's a process. Sometimes you get a miracle, sometimes you get a process. And you have to be willing to go through both if you really want to create change in your life. But that miracle part was just insane. And what was funny is the place we were at, they had a track. And I was always on that track every day, but I was doing my little old man shuffle because I had like the body of a 67 year old. Mm -hmm. And then I got out that day and I got on the track and I'm passing people and they're looking because they've been with me for two weeks watching. They've been passing me people that, that are a lot older than me have been passing me. And now I'm passing everyone else. And they're what the hell just happened to this guy? That's crazy. So when you, did it like, did you have the pain before or did it like start like, like, you said in college, is that it what started? Yeah, I was, I was in university. It started, I was actually a bodybuilder and uh -huh. I was, I was doing some exercises and the pain hit and I, it wasn't muscle pain. I knew what it was to push through yeah. pain. Yeah. And I'm like, this is different. This is weird. What is this? And so I had to go check, get it checked out. And then they said, oh, you got arthritis. Oh, that's crazy. And were you healthy up to that point? Yeah. Yeah. I was in, in I was in great shape. That's interesting because like for my backstory is like I just was sick constantly growing up oh. every single week and then eventually it was every four to six weeks and stuff. But my body pain started like when I was 20 and I completed a personal training program and all of a sudden two weeks later I turned 20 and I was in so much pain and then they were like, diagnosed me with fibromyalgia at like 20 years old. That was like 12 years ago, almost. Wow. So I can't relate. It's, it's awful to be in pain and stuff. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like people are like, well, they're like, how did you get through that? How did you get through like 20 years of just pain? Did you just like want to just want to quit life? No, it's it it was me building a tolerance to it. And, you know, and it came in waves too. Sometimes we'd go in remission, sometimes we'd kick up. And when I look back, it was whenever I had to be more responsible, it kicked up. And whenever yeah. there was less, like if I traveled, if I left my, the, the core of the people that I felt responsible for, my arthritis would just go away. And people would always say, well, you've gone to a different climate. Maybe you should move there. But now I look back and even if I had done that, eventually I would have been responsible for the people in a new place and it would have just come back and I would have been back where right. I started. <laughs> so. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to like do all the things to take care of everybody. And then we also have the trauma that like, I feel like also plays a part. And I feel like that's something people need to work through. Yes, absolutely. The thing I found though, is you have to be willing to let go of the trauma. Yeah. Some people aren't because some people that trauma defines them. And I, I haven't done it for the arthritis, but I actually, I mean, it wasn't trauma, it was racism, right? I had to go through a lot of extra stuff because of racism until someone pointed out, said, you're, you're actually enjoying the extra struggle you have to go through. You're proud of it. You know, you may be able to do this easily, but I have to go through extra hoops because I'm black. You're, I hear you saying that and I can see you lighting up because you get to have extra struggle. Your life is different. You're special, but all you're doing is making your life harder. Yeah. And so when I let go of that, that thing that 
oh, because it's harder for me because of this. It's harder for me because of this story. And I've seen this with people I've worked with. It, it feels like you're letting go of a part of you that's special, even though it was traumatic, which is a weird dichotomy, but people get into that space. And especially if the trauma was done to you, it feels like you're let, letting people off the hook. So you hold on to it. And that, and that I've seen it. It's so hard to get past that. But when you're willing to do it, everything shifts and you, your life gets easier, your, your injuries heal or the illness goes away. And I've, I've had it happen with uh, a bunch of my clients, but it's, it's a big step, right? It's a really big step. And I always tell people like, it's probably your number one step that you need to do first because we could tell, I could tell you how to eat healthy. I could tell you the right supplements and stuff, but you could do all that. Right. But then if some trauma thing comes up or somebody sets you off, then you're going to backslide and you're not going to do the healthy habits and trauma is such a thing where we don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. But it just, it's become normal. Like you've actually wired your brain to be in it and respond to it. So when you start doing different patterns, your brain actually goes into withdrawal of the old patterns and finds a way to pull you back. And that's why you could be in it's like, I'm gonna eat healthy. I'm gonna do this exercise. I'm gonna do these, this mental exercises. But then your brain's like, well, where's that feeling I have? Where's the anxiety? Where's the, I need that back. I'm in withdrawal here and something happens and then phew, you're back there. So you've got to go through that period of withdrawal to get out of it. Yeah. And I think we're too hard on ourselves too, where we're like, oh, I should be past that trauma. Mm -hmm. It takes years and years. To, it might take years to get past it. Yes. You've dealt with it for like 20 something years. Yeah. And we're the harshest judges of ourselves. Right. right. I, should, I should be past this by now. No, you're exactly where you need to be right now just keep moving forward. I, that's a good message for anybody because I feel like we're all supposed to be where we're supposed to be at this time and stuff. And a lot of times we're like, well, we should be ahead. We should be doing this. And it's not true. It, it's amazing. When I've, I've been in um, workshops doing talks and stuff, and there'll be a few hundred people in, in the room. And I'll, I say, raise your hand if you're not as far in life as you should be. And almost every hand goes back, goes up. And I'm like, well, either everyone is behind or maybe you just think you're behind and everyone's right where they're supposed to be. Or putting too much high expectations on ourselves. Of yeah. Stuff. And, and here's the other thing is if you've got a story of I'm not as far in life as I should be, then you can actually get so deep into that story by thinking it that it becomes a defining story. So yeah. when you consciously start to accelerate and get forward, you're now in withdrawal from the I'm not in far, as far in life as I should be story. And you pull yourself back. So now you're comfortably back in I'm not as far in life as I should be. And you don't even realize that's happening. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're, we're in our stories so much and stuff, but we can't see past, like past our story and stuff. And sometimes people get in that victim mentality. Well, I'm sick. I'm, I'm not going to ever get better. 
or I'm mm-hmm. dealing with whatever issue it is, it might not be a health issue and they can't see past it. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's so important to get someone um, to work with, to get an outside perspective so that they can see what you're not seeing because your ego is going to block you from a lot of things. <laughs> and it's amazing how your ego will keep you in sickness um, because it's safe. It's familiar. It's comfortable, even though it sucks. Yeah. And, and when you when you get start to get a help from someone else, get the perspectives from somewhere else, then you can bypass the ego and start to change what's happening in your life. And it's not. I love the thing that you said about getting some help because a lot of times I feel like we think, oh, I could do it by myself. Mm-hmm. And we need that outside perspective. Who could say, oh, look at where you were a year ago. And, or even 10 years ago, 12 years ago and stuff. Yeah. And that's the big problem with a lot of people is they, they look at what they've decided the finish line is and how far away from the finish line they are. And they're like, it's such a long distance to that finish line. But if instead you look from where you started and where you've come, that you can actually map out and go, oh my God, look how much progress I, am, I have made. But a lot of people are wired to go the other way and just feel I'm not there yet, as opposed to look how far I've come. I, I totally agree because I think, oh, look where I was 12 years ago, 11 years ago. I was in pain. I couldn't get off the couch. I was so fatigued. I couldn't even leave the house. And like you said, you couldn't do any of those things either because you were just stuck in bed. Yeah. So like even taking a shower was painful for me. Oh yeah, I mean, I would, I would have, I would, I started shaving in the shower mm-hmm. because uh, I realized if I get in the shower and I shave first, the, the hot water is hitting me and soothing the muscles and and the joints before I actually get to the point where I have to move my arms around to hit the different areas of my body because yeah. mobility was restricted. So yeah, and and it it just and that's it's funny because now that's still a habit I do. But now it's just because yeah. now I just enjoy being in the shower that long each morning. It's not because I need to. I was, um, I would like to know. So, like, what were the things that you couldn't do back then that you're so grateful you could do now? Run is is a big one. Um, I could not. I could not run. I mean, I I had worn away all the cartilage. Um, wow. in, in the joints. So when my feet came down, it was like bone against bone as I'm walking. So walking was was hard enough as it is, but running was just in, impossible. And now I've I've regrown the cartilage, so I can I can now run again. So that's that's one of the big things. And uh, yeah, open jars. <laughs> um, there's actually, you know, what's 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 really amusing is there. I still have to do these arthritis forms so they can check how I'm doing. And they have this thing, what can you do? What can you not do? And like, get out of a chair on your own, uh, reach right. above the shelf. But one of them is open a milk carton. And I'm like, okay, should open a milk carton really be there? Because I know people that are fine that have problems opening milk cartons. So <laughs> this, this question is, is not supposed to be on this test here. <laughs> That's funny. So what do you do now? I would love to know. Now I am a a transformational coach. So I help people um, in that are in these stories where they're stuck, whether it's a health issue, uh, business issue, relationship issue, 
we dig down and find out what the underlying stories are. Because there's the story you think is the problem. Like for me, yeah. I have arthritis. That's the problem. But the story, the underlying story was I have to be responsible for everyone in my life. And so when I work with you, we start working on what you think the problem is, but I take you to what the actual problem is. We work on that, get rid of that. And then the first problem just disappears. And that's why I call myself a reality shifting specialist because I've had so many clients go, it, everything just changed. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I was like, because you were trying to solve the wrong problem. And it's crazy when you tell someone, you know, the illness isn't actually your problem. You're like, no, it is my problem. And I know how they feel because I went through it for 20 years. Right. But that wasn't the actual problem, right? That was yeah. the symptom of the problem. So what is usually, the, what are clients usually like, what's their problem that they're usually coming? I don't There's know all sorts of problems that people are coming from, but most of them stem from the avoidance of the possibility of guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. Right. So I thought I would feel guilty if I couldn't help everyone, or I feel shame if I failed at helping everyone because I was supposed to be responsible for everyone. Yeah. And when I let that go, I didn't need the arthritis. That's, so, yeah, you just, you just have to start looking. Where am I worried about feeling guilty or feeling shamed? Or, or, you know, and for whatever reason, for failure or for not taking care of people or for not being enough, or that's, that's usually where you go to and that's where the problem lies. I feel like a lot of people think they're not enough and yes. I probably, and I feel like that might've been my story too, where like my parents divorced and then my dad got remarried and she wasn't a very nice person. And I just didn't, I was good at trouble and stuff. And I probably was like, the illness was like protecting me. Cause I just didn't feel like I was enough. And my dad, wasn't part of my life. So once we moved to Arizona, when I was like 14 years old and stuff, so it was protecting me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, that, that one's come up a lot. And one of the things I always say to people is, have you ever held or seen a newborn baby? Right. And when you're with that baby, how do you feel like that? There's just so much joy. You're looking at, Oh, is yeah, that my sister baby? just had a baby this week? Yeah. So is that baby enough? Right. And, you know, people say, yeah, of course it's enough. I'm like, but what's it doing? It's not doing anything in the world. It's not, it's not helping you out doing your taxes. Like it's, it's just, just existing. Being. Just right. Being. Yeah. But if just being is enough for a baby to be enough and you were that baby and that hasn't changed, that hasn't gone out of you. You still have that value. You've just added more value over the years, but you're not seeing it and you're not acknowledging it. So you absolutely are enough. You're more than enough at this point. You just have to believe it for yourself. And how do we like acknowledge that? Do we need to tell ourselves? You need to tell yourself that. And sometimes you've got to picture, picture that baby, like maybe, maybe not newborn, but when you were old enough to be able to actually talk like two, three, four years old, yeah. imagine having conversations with that version of you. How would you talk? to that child. Cause I'm guarantee it's not how you're talking to you. You're like, Oh my God, you screwed up. What the hell is wrong with you? You would never say that to a two-year-old to be like, Oh, it's okay. No. You know, it made a mistake. And I would never say that to my two-year-old niece. Yeah. So if you start talking to yourself, like you would to those little innocent childs, you're going to have a whole different discussion 
and you're going to have a whole different relationship with you. It's going to be a much more loving relationship. But most adults don't do that. No, and, we don't talk to no. ourselves in a loving way. We, no. we say, oh, why did you do this? Or we beat ourselves up for not falling through on whatever it is, the goal we set or whatever. Yeah. And just even like, it doesn't even have to be when you screw up, you have to talk to yourself. Good. Oh, good. Well, um, it's just in general, how are you talking to yourself? Like I talk to myself all the time and I'm always playful with myself. Yeah. Right? And there'll be times where I'm just walking by a mirror and I look at myself and go, Hey, looking good, babe. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. You're, you're cool. And then it's, and just in this playful, happy space, telling jokes to myself. And, you know, even when I'm with other people, I'll tell stupid jokes and they'll be like, Oh my God, here he goes. But I'm having so much it. fun and loving myself. Right. Yeah. How often do people just love on themselves in general, as opposed to, I got to get through my day. I've got to be efficient. I've got to take care of this. If you're more playful for yourself all day, that's going to affect everything else in your life as well. And the and I find the people who are more like joyful, you want to be around those people. You have yes. because their personality just exudes joyfulness. And I have a friend, and I haven't met him, but I met him through Zoom and stuff. And I, he just exudes like outgoing. And you don't have to be outgoing but you just need to be a happy person mm -hmm. instead of a lot of times I feel like instead of we're like, Oh, I was talking to someone else. They're like, we sort of just say to friends and family, Oh, I have this to do this to do instead of saying, Oh, I'm I just celebrated this. And we don't talk about the like celebrations or like the good stuff. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two things. It's, again, it goes to, I get more attention and sympathy if I'm talking about the struggles I have to go through. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side is because a lot of people are in that space, when you start talking about celebrations and all the wonderful things, they get uncomfortable. And some, and especially yeah. if you're really happy, they'll be like, what drugs are you on? Why are you so happy? Right? Yeah, and yeah. you know, when you're not afraid to be the happiest person in the room, you change everything, not just for you, but for the people in the room, because they're like, this is the level of happiness we're allowed to have. And suddenly you're here. And right. then they're looking up and go, oh, we're allowed to go there. Okay, some of them are going to come up, right? You're just going to inspire these other people to be happier with you. But if you're afraid to be happier and worried about what they're going to think of you, then everyone just stays down here. Yeah, and we want to we want to be happy beings. And, and we have to, we might have to take a break from people who are in the negative and mm -hmm. stuff, I feel like. And there's yeah. a lot going on right now in the world. Oh, there is. And the thing is, it's, it's not about being happy all the time because human beings need to experience multiple emotions. It's just, yeah. you have to go through them. But people are afraid to be really happy. They're self-conscious about being really happy. And why? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I find that that's like so true because I like, I have a friend and he's like, oh, is the world gonna get better? Like he texted me this in this week and I'm like, what is your mindset like you can't control everything that's going on but you can at least control what's what your mindset is about the world and stuff yes yeah and and even though we've got this whole thing going on with russia right now when you look at where the world is compared to where it was 20 years ago 30 years ago 100 years ago 
it's actually getting better. But people yeah. are focusing on oh, this is wrong now and this is wrong. But generally, globally, <laughs> things are better. So we are yeah. improving. <laughs> so. But we all we only see the negative stuff. So then that's why you need to just it's not like you're going to get away from it, but you can't like be consumed by it. And like, I just, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I'll, I have a friend and he just, I feel like he's consumed by it. And I'm like, well, you can't be, it's, it's just going to drain yourself. Yeah. But that's also what people are attracted to. I remember I, I found out in, I think the eighties, yeah. they started having good news television stations mm -hmm. and people wouldn't watch it. Like it came out and everyone's like, oh, good news stations, wow. let's watch it. And then they just started getting bored because they were drawn to the drama. <laughs> that's the thing. We're all drawn to the drama. That's why all the reality shows been going for like whatever, The Bachelor, Bachelorette, all these reality shows have been going for so long because everyone loves the drama. Yeah. And here's the thing I've realized. I love the drama, but I can enjoy the drama outside of my life. It doesn't have to be a part of my life right right and that's that's something a lot of people don't get they think well this is what everyone does this is how it works so i'm going to have drama in my life and a lot of people mistake passion for drama sorry the other way around drama for passion so they think if i'm in drama it's like i'm being passionate about something but there's no actual drama that needs to be in passion so you could be uh, going after your passion um doing things that you love without any drama but people have created these stories that that's what it looks like yeah and who wants to be in drama? It's just a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this interview. So is there anything else you would like to share? I, th I think we covered it. I usually I usually finish with don't be afraid to be the happiest person in the room, but we already got there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so thank you so much. I'll put all your information in the show notes. This was a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Thank you so much, Amanda.